0: Hello dear friends, this is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable inviting you to stay tuned for this edition of Let's Talk About Jesus right here on WMAF. We welcome you today and we pray that no matter what is occurring in your life today, that you will trust in the One that loved you enough to give His Son for you on the cross. Whether you are saved or whether you are not, Whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, we invite you to stay tuned to this broadcast today. For the more we study the Scripture, the more we learn about not just the principles of God, the promises of God, but the more we learn about the person of God. The person that we are dealing with, who He is, and how we through that knowledge can come to put our trust in Him. Our soul's destiny, uh, we can place in His hands. Our immediate circumstances that we're in, we can trust to Him. Our life here upon the earth, we can trust in the Lord. We're going to talk about defeating the giant of despair today in this second edition on this subject. It is a very important subject, and I do pray that you will stay tuned today. Amen. Those of you that are in Madison and North Florida, we thank you for our our listening audience. We're glad to be part of the broadcast family of WMAF, and we are just as glad that you are part of the listening family of WMAF. And if you're part of the listening family uh, because they're streaming this broadcast as it's coming live in Madison, North Florida, South Georgia, if it's streaming to you anywhere in the United States, anywhere in any other nation of the world, we welcome you today glad you discovered WMAF and through that this very broadcast today if you've downloaded this edition of Let's Talk About Jesus from our website we are very thankful uh, our our web uh, page is becoming streamlined uh, to where it is very easy to, to download an app that you can listen on your iPhone or other device anywhere you are at any time that you choose each one of these teachings is in a 30 minute uh, context Context so that you can do this on your lunch hour if you want to. Praise God. It's entirely up to you. We want to make it as user friendly as we possibly can uh, so that you can be edified and instructed and, and uh, through the scriptures uh, brought into that place and that purpose that God has for you today. Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you please turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 8 and 9. 2 Corinthians. Chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. The Apostle Paul talking about how he faced and overcame the giant of despair. You see, friend, there's no one so spiritual so anointed, so appointed to ministry or anything else, that they don't have to face and defeat this giant at some point in their life, in their ministry. There's no Christian that is living in a hyper-faith state where you do never have to admit your weaknesses, your need for God's grace and mercy in that time. And there's no one that can learn these lessons simply by reading, being taught, or teaching the Word of God. Now, you can learn what to do when these circumstances come to you, when you find yourself in this place, and you will find yourself in this place, The reason being is because God will allow you to come to that place because your faith, nor my faith, is going to be pure and unadulterated and consistent unless we come to this place and face this giant and defeat him. We can't deny he exists. I call that ostrich faith. You know what ostrich does when he's threatened? He buries his head in the sand. He finds a soft spot in the sand, digs a little hole big enough to stick his whole head in. And with that big old ostrich body vulnerable to whatever the threat is, because he can't see it, he can't hear it, his head is hid, he assumes and presumes that nothing can harm him. That is a very dangerous thing to do. If a lion is hungry enough to eat a ostrich, this because he can't see the lion doesn't mean the lion won't devour him. And friend of mine, this hyper faith attitude of never confessing that there is a giant is not the way that you deal with the giant. Praise God. David didn't say, what giant? He said, you come to me. I see you. I see you. <laughs> but you come to me with sword and, and shield and spear, but I come t- against you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. And that physical and spiritual giant fell before him. And this giant can fall before us, but not until we acknowledge it and look and acknowledge our weakness and look to God with all of our heart. So I'm glad for this candid word from the Apostle Paul, this man with so many revelations and experiences in God, who wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament, this paragon of spiritual power. (laughs) Hallelujah. Listen to what he said. He said, I had to face this giant, and I did face this giant. And by the help and grace of God, this giant fell. He went from despair of life itself to being able to say consistently for the rest of his life, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. That is the victory that God wants to bring us to today. Listen to what he said. He said, but we would not, brethren... Have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life? But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, who raises the dead. He went from despair and self-trust. That brought him to the place of despair. To that place of trusting God exclusively. Hallelujah. Amen. He said we learn not to trust in ourselves, Not to trust in ourself. But in God who raises the dead. Despair takes its toll, friend, on your physical health. It can It can have the same detrimental that some say on the heart. As smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. According to a study. This was published in in August of of 1997. All those years ago. People were looking at the stress issue. And the health issue. And they were realizing that despair. And deep discouragement and depression. Begins to affect the human body in such a negative way. Way. A high level of hopelessness uh, begins to in particularly in middle-aged men. According to Dr. Susan A. Everson, it increases the thickness of the arterial walls of the heart and, and of the arteries themselves. And despair goes on from the physical aspect to the spiritual aspect. It's certainly detrimental to one's spiritual health. Owen Feltham said, and I quote, He that despairs degrades God. And Charles L. Allen said, When you say a situation or a person is hopeless, you're slamming the door in the face of God. Jeremy Taylor said, It's impossible for that man to despair who remembers that his helper is omnipotent. Hallelujah. Praise God. All-powerful. And Chuck Swindoll has uh, talked about this uh, uh, in, in many of his books and many of his sermons. Uh, and, and, and one of the great, uh, uh, well, he just said, let me quote this to you. It's better to quote it than to try to tell it. Surrendering to despair is a man's favorite pastime. He said God offers a better plan, but it takes effort to grab it and faith to claim it. It takes effort to grab it and faith to claim it. Oh, friend of mine, listen to me carefully today. I I keep saying listen to me carefully because this is such an important message to receive today. If you are in despair today, discouragement has won over encouragement. A doubt has taken precedence over hope and faith in your life today. And it's Satan's greatest weapon against any person. When you get discouraged and you despair, uh, you've got to deal with that giant. You can't entertain it. You can't get what I call the poor old me's. You can't get that that state of, of I'm a victim, this victim mentality. Uh, you can't take your eyes off of Jesus and put them on your circumstance and what that circumstance is producing within you. That's why the scripture encourages us in order to run with perseverance the race that is set before us. We are to look unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. And consider him who suffered such a great contradiction of sinners against himself, lest we become weary and faint in our own mind when we go through discouraging situations and the pain and the heartache and the heartbreak of our circumstances begin to take hold of us, our focus is off of God and it's off of Christ and it's on ourself. And when, as long as it stays on ourself, that's why if we would take the Greek and and bring it uh, into its full meaning, the scripture would say, looking away from all that will distract and setting your gaze upon Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. And it's not just the distraction of the circumstance, it's the insertion of ourself in the place of the God that we should be trusting in. Ourself and our circumstances create a distraction see, the Bible said, the God of all hope fill you with hope in believing. And the Bible says the things that were written aforetime were written for our learning, that through the patience and comfort of the Scripture, we might have hope. Praise God. The Bible said, even in trials, when we go through trials like Paul had, that tribulation, the pressure that these testings and trials bring, tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed. I like what one translation of that says hope never lets down anyone who steps out on it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Friend, Discouragement is Satan's greatest weapon against God's people and his purpose, especially those that have been called to serve him. Discouragement is a thief. It steals your vitality, your zeal, your joy, your peace, and your contentment. If discouragement dwells long with you, its friends will soon join. Their names are fatigue, hopelessness, despair, self-pity, depression, doubt, and bitterness. Sometimes discouragement can be so strong that you don't even want to go on living. That's how powerful this force is in anyone's life. And I want to make a statement today. Satan can't defeat God's power or purpose for you if you keep trusting God no matter what your circumstances. That's why discouragement is so vital to your enemy's strategy of defeat. This is also why the ministry of encouragement is so vital to victory. Someone has said discouragement is dissatisfaction with the past, distaste for the present, and distrust of the future. It's the result of spiritual blindness. It's It is ingratitude for the blessings of yesterday, indifference to the opportunities of today, and insecurity regarding strength for tomorrow. It's unawareness of the presence of God, unconcerned for the needs of our fellow man. I can guarantee you today, if you're discouraged, if you're in despair, it's all about you. When I'm in despair, it's all about me. I can't stay in that place and care, and show compassion, and try to help my fellow man. Unbelief in the promises of God occurs when we entertain discouragement and we are in despair. If we have nothing to rely on or we forget our blessings and look to our circumstances, that is when discouragement begins to take its hold on us. Instead, what we need is encouragement. We need hope and peace and the knowledge that the Lord knows our troubles and has great concern and compassion for us and is not leaving us unloved or uncared for. Keeping your eyes on Jesus is one of the greatest ways to be encouraged. In Him you can have comfort and peace and encouragement. You need to find him and his words in the midst of the darkest night, and by faith rest in him. And know this today: God is absolutely committed to delivering his people and using our life experience to encourage others. I'm so glad the Apostle Paul, in his life experience, said, "I have been." to that deep, dark place of despair because of all the trouble that never let up. And I came to that place. I came to that place that we despaired of life, that we might learn not to trust in ourself, but in God who raises the dead. Hallelujah. The greatest encouragers, therefore, are those who have trusted God through deep dark valleys and through very painful trials and tests in their life and through their personal experiences are able to comfort and encourage others you know the psalmist david who went through some deep dark valleys he said these words he has lifted me from the miry clay he has set my feet upon a rock and the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. This is this is the negative use of that word humble. It doesn't mean in the positive sense uh, humility, which is a virtue. It means in the negative sense. In the Hebrew, it meant to be crushed, to be crushed by the pressures of life. That's exactly what Lamentations was all about. When the circumstances in Israel it looked hopeless. And Jeremiah seemed so helpless, even though he brought God's message, he didn't see the change, he didn't see the hearts turning toward God, but he did see the corrective judgments falling in the land. And when he said, when I consider all of this, the wormwood, the gall, the bitterness of it all, my soul was humbled within me in Lamentations chapter 3. That again is the negative use of the word humbled. In the Hebrew, it meant crushed, to be crushed. In other words, my soul is crushed when I think about these circumstances. But this, he said, I recall to mind, therefore have I hope. You see how hope, is the force within our life that overcomes the despair, that overcomes the discouragement and the defeat that follows. Hallelujah. This I recall to mind. Therefore have I hope. (laughs) Thy mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I took a first aid course years and years ago before I went into full-time ministry. I worked for Tampa Electric Company on a line crew we had to be qualified to treat someone who had uh, uh, got an electric shock, in particular if one of the linemen was to come in contact with a live wire uh, in in the in the smallest uh, transmission line, 7,620 volts would hit that person. In the largest, 130,000 and 69,000 and it went on up. But if that smaller voltage hit, there's a chance that person could survive. If we could give them uh, 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 CPR and if we could treat them for something else called shock. And one of the things the first aid course told us about shock was that it wasn't the wound, it wasn't the, the trauma uh, that someone experienced necessarily. We were taught to take and make tourniquets to tie off an, an area where an artery or a vein had been broken loose and or had been nicked and, or cut through. And we could save a person's life from bleeding to death. But more importantly was to treat that person for shock immediately because more people after trauma like that to the body die of shock than they do of the actual physical wound or condition. So we, it was vitally important, and I'm not talking about electric shock, but the shock of the trauma to the body. And friend, there are emotional, mental, and spiritual things that can shock us in those areas. We were to lay a person on their back. We were to elevate their feet. We were to keep them warm. Keep the body warm. The blood therefore flowing. And listen to the fourth one. Speak confidently and encouraging to them. Saying things like, I'm here to help you. You're going to be all right. I am here to help you. And you are going to be all right. Isn't that exactly what God has said to us in His Word? Isn't that exactly what Christ has promised us when we come to know Him as our Savior? He makes a commitment to us. He says, Lo, I am with you always. I will never leave you. I will never, and it's in the emphatic sense that He said it, I will never leave. No, never forsake you. I will go with you all the way, even unto the end of the age. Oh, those hopeless disciples that saw Jesus crucified. See, we're coming up on Resurrection Sunday here. They saw Jesus crucified, and immediately they became hopeless. Jesus has been killed. Jesus is dead All hope is lost. They gathered in a room filled with despair until Jesus entered that room. (laughs) Hallelujah. And He said to them, He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You are not abandoned. You are not forsaken. I am with you. I will stay with you. Hallelujah. Amen. Death did not conquer me. It will not conquer you. Praise God. And these cowards, because of despair, became courageous men of God, preachers and carriers of the gospel and martyrs for the cause of Jesus Christ. These men were changed by His promise to go with them. They took hope in their heart. And when that despair was gone, that discouragement was di- dis- dissolved, uh, they became came men of hope and men of courage that nothing could stop. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, friend of mine, the value of hope in our life, the value... Because when there are things happen that shock my system, that shock my emotions, that shock my mind and my body, and, and when those times occur, I need to be treated for that shock. And the treatment for that is the Holy Scripture. God's Word comforts me in all my tribulations as it is written, counsels me, praise God, that what I'm feeling Like heaven is brass or where was God or why has God allowed all these questions that plague and beleaguer me uh, and berate me even in my faith and say, where's your God? You can hear the devil so plain when you can't seem to hear God at all, can't you? Where's your God? Why is he not coming through? Why is he not helping? Oh, friend, that's when our faith needs to rise up. That's when we need to take hold of hope, and well the scripture's clear in the book of Proverbs, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire cometh when we hold on to hope long enough for God to work and bring to pass what we're trusting him for, ah, then the heart is made glad, Amen, heaviness in the heart of a man, the scripture teaches causes it to stoop but a good word makes it glad hallelujah the word of God is so important so vital and so powerful when we mix just a little bit of faith with it we used to sing that song hallelujah faith 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 just a little bit of faith praise God it don't take a whole lot but you got to use every bit you got faith 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 just a little bit of faith. Oh, praise God. That's what the Word of God is for. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. When you feel like God is forsaking you and heaven is brass, go to God's Word for the things that were written aforetime, were written for our comfort, that through the patience and comfort of God, of the scripture. That you might have hope. That you might have hope. Praise God. Amen. And prayer. Jesus said men ought always to pray. Pray anyway. Pray when you don't feel like it. Pray when you don't feel like anyone is listening. Because the fact is. Someone is listening. And God is waiting for you to express your faith. By bringing that need to Him and taking that focus off of the giant of despair and putting it on the God who is greater than every giant, every circumstance bigger than any mountain. Hallelujah. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 says, "...Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving begin to praise Him anyway." Praise Him that He is there. Praise Him that He keeps His promises. Praise Him for His faithfulness. With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Ah, friend, hallelujah. Don't ever let the devil steal your praise. Take away your gratitude for what God has done, what He's doing, and what He will do for you. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart and your mind through Jesus Christ. If you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior today, the Bible said you are without God and without hope in this present world. And if you're without hope, that's why many turn to alcohol many turn to drugs it's that despair it's that hopelessness that sense of helplessness that causes people to look through sin and things that will only add to your despair oh what a trail of destruction alcoholism is 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 leaving in its in its wake here in America and in the nations of the world. What a trail of destruction, drug abuse is is tearing apart families and marriages and harming children and destroying so many lives. How many people are behind bars that if they were not drunk, if they were in their right mind and they had their faculties and it wasn't wasn't, uh, shaded and degraded by drug abuse how many people would not be in that prison today wouldn't have committed that crime today we're 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 in a in a nation where drug abuse and alcoholism is in epidemic proportions and friend of mine it's taking its toll but there is in christ that that, well, no, he doesn't just say don't drink, don't take drugs. He fills you with hope in believing. He fills you with the comfort that only he can give when you're reconciled to him the peace of mind and peace of heart. You don't have to be inebriated to have a good time, and you don't have to be numbed by drugs to cope with life. Jesus keeps his promise. He comes into our heart and into our life. So if you don't know Him today as your Savior, I pray that you will come to know Him, that you will confess your sins, that you will invite Jesus into your heart and your life and be reconciled to God. And the God of all hope will fill you in hope with hope in believing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And today if you're in a circumstance and you're contemplating taking your life, you're in a position to look up and to put a pure trust in God right where you are. At the end of yourself can be the beginning of a persistent, consistent faith that will not fail you in this world and will usher you in to the world to come. Take courage. Look up. And trust God today. Amen. Come back next week. Let's talk about Jesus.